Welcome to the Life Over Coffee podcast, conversations for transformation. Hello, everyone. I am Rick Thomas, and we do welcome you to lifeovercoffee.com. That is our street address, and so please come into our sanctification center check out our coffee shop where we talk about all things pertaining to life and godliness whatever situational difficulty you may find yourself in relationship struggle we have resources that are for you all of those resources are free we would love for you to check them out take advantage of them and share them with your friends We are just getting past Halloween here in the States, and we're heading into the holiday season. Now, we celebrate Thanksgiving, and other countries have their own holidays, and of course, Christmas is coming up very soon. And that always brings up a question because extended family members get together. And so one of the questions that's very common at this time of the year that we receive is how do you deal with difficult relatives during the holiday season? Now, what I'm going to share with you is really applicable to any day of the year because we're fallen people and we live amongst fallen people. And so there's always going to be friction there's always going to be conflict and so if you stumble upon this podcast or this video or the article on our website even though all three of them are titled the same way dealing with difficult relatives during the holidays this will be an excellent template for you to follow no matter what season it is uh, because again it just seems that conflict is unavoidable and it comes into our lives sometimes unannounced and it is really good especially if you're not in a a season of conflict it's it's very good to be preventative uh, that you begin to frame your mind about conflict resolution but here we are heading into the holidays and so this would be one of those preventative moments and so I trust that what I have to share with you will be beneficial and again if you want to go to lifeovercoffee.com and then you can look for this article this video or podcast and you can read you can watch or you can listen titled dealing with difficult relatives during the holidays Now, this is also the end of the year for us, the last quarter of the year, and this is the primary time when believers give to Christian nonprofit organizations. And so everything that we hope to do in the year, in in the following year, a lot of it's going to be determined by the generosity of the folks who donate during this last quarter of the year. And so this is our fall campaign time. And so I want to appeal to you that if you would pray and ask the Father to bring in people who have the ability to underwrite our ministry financially. I know that many of you can't do that, but you can pray. And that is a valuable asset to us if you would just pray and ask the Father for those who do have the ability. We all go through financial seasons as well, and so I don't want to put a guilt trip on anybody. That's not my motive here. But my motive is to appeal to you to pray and ask the Father that you would that he would bring in people like there is Christy and David and Mary and James and Julie and Kevin and Deborah and Lloyd. All of them have given in the past two weeks. They have donated to our ministry. And so I praise God for these individuals. Again, Christy, David, Mary, James, Julie, Kevin, Deborah, and Lloyd. And I pray that 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 those six or seven, eight people, that it will just multiply exponentially 
And so will you pray? Uh, because we give our resources away. We have 11 people that are working with us, and we do a lot of work. But honestly, there is no way to make it happen without our financial partners, and they become a valuable uh, part of our community because they are the ones that underwrite everything that we do. And so if you would pray, I would really appreciate it. Okay, so I want to talk about dealing with difficult relatives during the holidays. Now, there are two kinds of people in the world in big general buckets. There are Christians and then there are non-Christians. And then within each one of these two buckets, there are, are subgroups and they're consisting of those people that you prefer to hang with and those people with whom you had rather not spend your time. And yes, it is true. There are some Christians I know that you don't want to spend time with. I may be one of those Christians, I hope not, but I know that that's true as well. And so we're realists around here, and so we want to, uh, we want to deal with things uh, with reality, and, and we have to understand, and we have to accept the fact that in those two groups, it's obvious that, that, that there are non-Christians that we would not want to interact with on a more intimate uh, way, but there's also Christians that we don't want to bring into our most intimate circle for various reasons. And so loving others the way that God loves us can be very challenging. I mean, anytime, not just this holiday season, which is why what I'm sharing with you is applicable uh, to any time of the year. But the difficulty especially intensifies during the holiday season because some of our family members rub us the wrong way. And let me add caveat of course, we rub them wrongly, too. This is not just a one-way street, and I, I would not want to frame it in such a way that, that we're the self-righteous ones, that we don't have any problems. No, we're all equal. They rub us the wrong way, and we rub them the wrong way, and perhaps they would listen to this as well and maybe uh, be able to frame, get their minds recalibrated so they can interact with us based on these things that I am sharing. Thanksgiving is a celebration here in America, and this is generally a time to be thankful, so we are told. But the challenge is that the holiday, the holidays are when people who do not ordinarily hang together come together in an expected spirit of love, an expected gratitude for each other, especially if they name the name of Christ. And that can be perplexing to some people. They say that they are a Christian, but they refuse to reconcile. They refuse to get along. Yes, it does happen. And so these extended family get-togethers are not always inspiring events. I do talk to many individuals about the holidays, and it, it does. It never fails how dealing with those you do not necessarily care for is a point of discussion during this holiday season. Some people look at the holidays with partial dread because of their family's seemingly unresolvable relational conflict. And it may not just be seemingly, it may be in reality unresolvable for whatever reason. And so Thanksgiving and Christmas, those are family contexts 
where you do not entirely control who is going to appear at your door uh, for dinner or for a meal. And inevitably, there will be at least one person in these situations where you have to wear your uh, fake-it-till-you-make-it smile while treading the waters of superficiality. Now, I'm going to call him Uncle Biff. Biff and Mabel, many of you are familiar with. Uncle Biff is that guy where you have to tread the waters of superficiality and put on that fake smile because honest and enjoyable conversations are hard to have with Uncle Biff. Get-togethers with Uncle Biff is a mental challenge as you wrestle through the moral merits of being friendly. To be honest with Biff is to invite conflict and controversy. Just mention politics and we're off to the races and it can just be a disastrous family event. But to ignore the overstuffed elephants romping around the room is a, is a call to suppress your candid thoughts about Uncle Biff. And so there's the tension. Are we going to be superficial again and just check the box and we have had a, a Thanksgiving or Christmas meal together and then we go on our merry way and we don't have to do this again for another year? Are we going to shoot those romping elephants around the room? Lucia said they were pink, by the way. I've never seen them, but I can imagine them, and so I'll say that they're pink too. Or maybe it's just best to suppress your most candid thoughts, especially your thoughts about Uncle Biff. Then there is that momentary thought about being honest with him. And your sinful temptations overpower sound reason because you want to give Biff a piece of your mind. Now, it is in those moments when our daughter, uh, when she was younger, uh, both of our daughters said this, Daddy, zip it, lock it, and put it in your pocket. And so rather than giving Biff a piece of your mind, you choose to zip it and lock it and put it in your pocket. And that becomes your annual default, especially with Uncle Biff. You bite your tongue while resisting the added temptation to not sin in your heart. There are two sins that can happen there. The words that you say, and maybe you suppress that and you bite your tongue, and so you don't sin audibly, but you can be sinning in your heart. And so it is a double temptation not to say anything and then ask the Father to help you so that you're not murdering him, Uncle Biff, in your heart. And so it makes more sense to say nothing than something that could lead to protracted and unresolved splits in the family tree. There's a couple of verses that I have found to be helpful in moments like this. Jesus said in 747 of Luke, Therefore I tell you, her sins which are many are forgiven, for she loved much. But he who is forgiven little loves little, Obviously, the more that we recognize what God has done for us, it gives us a greater capacity to love those who, who are unlovable to us. And then in Romans 12, the Bible urges us to seek peace as much as it depends on you, but to seek peace with everyone. Of course, the resistant retort, of course, is usually something along the lines of, 
Well, Paul said, if possible, and I do not think this is possible. You have never met my Uncle Biff. Well, indeed, I have not met your Uncle Biff. But, but I know that when I am in those moments of potential conflict, I have to bring myself back to the stabilizing truths of the gospel. I haven't met your Uncle Biff, but I have been in those situations. I have my own Uncle Biff's and Aunt Mabel's in my life, and the gospel breaks through the fog in my mind and the stubbornness in my heart. It is a beacon showing the way to a blind seaman. The gospel brings relational difficulty down to the irreducible minimum. And what is that? The irreducible minimum is Uncle Biff, and Aunt Mabel, if you want to throw her in there too, is no more and no less of a sinner than I am. We all have this one thing in common. We were equally guilty before God and were ultimately unable to better our condition apart from His grace. It is only because of God's unmerited favor that we stand a chance of, of being saved from ourselves. It is that truth that must impact and rivet my heart daily, and I trust that it does yours too. The degree to which God's gospel is piercing and affecting my heart will be the extent to which I will respond in a Christ-like manner to all the Uncle Biffs and Aunt Mabel's in my life. If the gospel does not rightly influence me, I will not enter into any relational context redemptively. And that is an important statement. If the gospel is not fixing me, not stabilizing me, influencing me, impacting my life, persuading me, managing me, I will not enter into any relational context redemptively. The Christian's goal is to love God and others above all else. And if you are affected rightly by the gospel and are thinking correctly about the gospel, you will be obedient to the gospel. Your obedience is how the Lord will partner with you to help Uncle Biff change. If it's God's will for him to change this season or any season, I am not saying that Biff is going to change. And so we, don't, we want to make sure that we don't have a quid pro quo relationship with God. God, if you do this, then I will do that. If you will change Biff, then I will partner with you. No, we can't have that kind of relationship with God. We must have a heart that is motivated by love to cooperate with God with whatever his mysterious will is in Biff's life, regardless of any uh, hope-filled outcome. God mysteriously partners with us, allowing us to be ministers of reconciliation so others can potentially know him. Someday, Biff will stand before God and give an account of his life. And you and I will be ministers of reconciliation if we choose to be cooperating with God to provide a genuine attempt 
for heart change in Biff's life. And so in Luke 10, 27, Jesus said, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, and with all your mind, and your neighbor, Uncle Biff, Aunt Mabel, as yourself. And so when you enter into these relational conflicting moments, whether they're in the holiday season or any other day of the year, here's a few questions to think about. Are you out to prove a point? Are you more interested in winning an argument? Sometimes these types of conversations, like politics I mentioned before, can be more like jousting and competitive events rather than moments to seek redemptive and reconciling opportunities with two combatants. What is your goal with the family member who annoys you? Is your desire to withhold your love, love your neighbor as Jesus said, from him because of how he has treated you? This is the text that uh, Paul was talking about in 2 Corinthians 5, 10 and 11, talking about appearing before the judgment seat. He said, we all must appear before the judgment seat of Christ so that each one may receive what is due for what he has done in the body, whether good or evil. Therefore, knowing the fear of the Lord, we persuade others. And we got to get this. It's not about a competitive event. It's not about verbal jousting. It's not about winning an argument. It's a redemptive opportunity, a redemptive possibility because we fear the Lord and because we fear the Lord, knowing that we're all going to stand before his judgment seat, we persuade others. Christ reconciled to us or reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them, and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. That is 2 Corinthians 5, verses 18 and 19. And then Jesus said at the end of it all in Matthew 28, Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And so the question becomes, are you ready to help Uncle Biff? The point of the gospel coming into our lives was not to give us all of our dreams or even to meet all of our expectations. That was not the point of the gospel. The Lord did not grant salvation so that we could relax, but so we could get busy being ministers of reconciliation, sharing Christ, going and making disciples as we share Christ with others. The gospel is a rugged cross that must be modeled and taught to needy men and women. The gospel is the message that he wants us to carry to those who need to hear it, like Uncle Biff. We have no gospel worth discussing if our gospel cannot transcend our differences. Now, I do not know if Biff will change this year, next year, any year. He may transform. Biff may come to Christ. He may be born a second time. I do not know. But that is not the central question for our consideration. God did not call us to change people. He invites us to model and to share 
the gospel with those who needs it need its transforming power. I suspect that most of us will have at least one opportunity to present the gospel to an extended family member this holiday season. And one of the most effective ways to display the gospel is by emulating it, by imitating the gospel. The gospel is Christ, by modeling it. A couple of questions. Do you want others to be affected by Christ? Do you want others to see and experience the power of the gospel? Do you want others to know and share what you know and what you possess on a daily basis? If these are your goals for your friends, then you are on the right track. And if these are your goals, let us press the point a bit farther, a bit more, as you think about how God responds to you. Let me ask a few questions, a couple of questions. How did the Father respond to you when you were in your sin? How did he respond to you when you were in your sin? And this is the gospel that you want to imitate. How does the Father respond to you when you sin now? And so how did God respond to you before he regenerated you? And how does he respond to you now after he regenerated you? Well, there's several ways to answer that question, but Romans 2.4 does come to mind. And in that verse, we learn that the answer is that God's kindness led to our repentance. That is one way the Father motivates us to change. Prior to salvation, it was his kindness that we began to learn about. You mean there was a man who came and lived on earth and he died and he took all of my sin and I am forgiven of my past and present and future sin? That is God's kindness. I repent. I am born again. And then after we are born again, we still sin. We are not entirely sanctified. And God, again, he just exhibits persevering grace and mercy and, and kindness. These are some of his fantastical riches that he bestows upon us. And he does not give us what we deserve either prior to salvation or post-salvation. It is the kindness of God, as Paul said in 2.4 of Romans. Kindness is core to who God is and how he encourages us to transform. This idea is our call to those who are troubling our souls. When God was kind to us, it was while we were still sinners. You remember Romans 5 eight. While you were sinners, God's kindness, he bestowed his kindness upon us. He did not love us after we got our acts together. Hey, I will love you after you get it together. No, he loved us before we got it together and actually participated. He was the great initiator that helped us to get it together. He loved us while we were living in sin. Maybe Biff needs that kind of loving, fatherly motivation from you. Here's the text in Romans 2.4. Paul said it this way, Do you presume, meaning do you take for granted? Do you presume on the riches of his kindness, the riches of his forbearance, 
the riches of his patience, not knowing that the kindness of God is meant to lead you to repentance, a profound thought. Let those thoughts settle in your mind over the next few days. Ask the Father to remind you how he responds to you each time you sin. It was his kindness that led to your repentance. He patiently persevered through many years of your rebellion as he did mine. It is not wise to presume on the the riches of God, the riches of his kindness, the riches of his forbearance, the riches of his patience. We should not take these things for granted because those things may lead someone to change as it led us to change. If we forget God's methods of change, for example, the three that Paul mentioned, kindness, forbearance, patience, we will soon begin to presume against His grace, and those marvelous things will only be impotent reminders of our past. Ask, and Biff will not experience any of those things through us. And so let me ask a couple of questions. Will Biff change this year? I don't know. I don't know. But that's really not the best question. The best question is, will I model, imitate, emulate the kindness of God? Will I model the kindness of the gospel to him rather than obscuring the cross by my self-righteous attitude toward him? I appeal to you to begin praying for your Uncle Biff today, whoever that may be, asking the Lord to allow you to model the gospel to him during your time together. Let me give you a few examples. How can you serve Biff? What is a minimal way that you can just be be Christ to Biff, to bless him to? How can you surprise him with grace the thing that he does not deserve, the thing that he does not merit, just as Christ has surprised us with grace many times. Number three, how can you respond in grace, similar to the Lord's response and many responses to you? Paul said this in 1 Corinthians 1.4, and he said this to the Corinthians. And so imagine a room full of Uncle Biff's, hundreds of them maybe. He says, I give thanks to God always for you. Some of the most divisive, challenging, and angry people in Paul's life were the Corinthians. They did not like him. They did many things to discredit his apostleship and the vision that he was trying to build in the church. And one of the most influential verses in the Bible as it pertains to how to relate to difficult people is found in Paul's letter to the Corinthians. I just shared it with you, verse number, verse number 4. That is a powerful, powerful verse, and I think it would be accurate to say that some Corinthians hated him. Even so, Paul was unwavering in his affection and attitude toward these undeserving People. And again, we see this in 1 Corinthians 1.4. As Paul gives us a peek into his prayer life. See, he said, I give thanks to God always for you. And so before he even said that to them, he's talking about his prayer life. 
he, he's speaking of something that he has already been doing. He just only now lets them know that he's been back there in his closet praying for these ungrateful, mean-spirited people. Paul was free and untethered from the slanderous and manipulating behavior of the Corinthians. And his freedom led him to his closet where he got down on his knees and he genuinely thanked God for the people who were hurting him. And so let me suggest that you go to your closet and pray to God like the Apostle Paul. Perhaps the gospel has not changed your heart like Paul's, especially when you think about the Uncle Biff in your life. Maybe you have some work to do with God before you engage the Uncle Biff in your life. My prayer for all of us during this holiday season or whatever day it is where we need to hear this message because of relational conflict, but my prayer is threefold. To be able to pursue God genuinely while appropriating His grace upon our lives, which releases us to be ministers of reconciliation toward those who need what God has already given to us. And so I hope that the, the Uncle Biff in your life will be surprised by the gospel as he perceives it working in you as you practically model it before him. Ask God to give you the grace that he gave Paul. Ask God to help you pray for the mean, the disappointing, and the challenging people in your life. And may your gospel-motivated attitude and behavior lead to a, a much-needed, redemptive conversation. Now, I have titled the podcast and the video and the article, Dealing with Difficult Relatives During the Holidays. And as I said earlier, it applies to any season of the year uh, because we'll always find ourselves in that relational conflict. And so if you know someone who is struggling, would you share one of these resources, either the article or the podcast or the video? Would you share it with them and say, hey, would you give a listen to this? I think this will really encourage you. And then after you listen to it, let's sit down and talk uh, because this is not going to be easy depending on the depth of the disappointment that you have with that other individual, the Uncle Biff or whoever it may be, it's not going to be like flipping a switch and say, oh, I'm better now. I'm gospel-centered. I'm motivated. I'm going to be an ambassador of Christ, a minister of reconciliation. No, probably not. It's going to take some work. And so sit down with another friend and say, I want you to help me until I can work through this. And it's going to take some time because for many of us, the, the hurts are just that deep. Uh, but would you share the resource and then get together and do a little life over coffee, have a conversation that leads to transformation, and who knows, maybe God will use that in the Uncle Biff in your life. And then finally, would you pray, uh, that would you petition the Father and ask Him to pray upon able souls who are able to underwrite our ministry because we do need it. We, we, we can't do it without you. And, and by the grace of God, we're going to continue to produce this content and give it out freely to whosoever will. But I, I really need you to pray and ask God to help supply this very real tangible need for our ministry. Thank you so much. We are dealing with difficult relatives during the holidays and any other day of the year. May God bless you. Thanks for joining us. Learn more and get access to other resources at lifeovercoffee.com.